0: that's coaching chatter at the beginning for another episode of it is what it is podcast i am your host cody kelly look connect with me on all streaming platforms you know where to reach me you can subscribe at the link below we'll love to hear from you we have an amazing episode focusing on the election watch i have again my two one of my two favorite guests juggernauts in their own right the good doctor jonathan shepherd and the capital venturist and just philanthropic uh, financier and just corporate amazing guy and the right Reverend Elder Derek Scott. How are you guys doing today?
1: Doing great, sir. How are
0: you this evening? Hey, man, I'm getting amped. Today was late. Man, I'm doing well. Tomorrow's the election and, you know, the end of the world. So, I mean, who knows, right? So, doing well. <laughs> Excited. How you doing today, uh, <laughs> Dr. Sheffield? <laughs>
2: I'm doing good. I'm excited about tomorrow. I'm excited about our future. You are. Uh, I am. You know, I I I am one of those people that I am not going to allow the negativity to turn me or get me turned down. I'm still uh, somebody over here says they're a hope pusher. So hey, I I concur with you. I'm a hope pusher, and uh, and I don't believe there will be any violence that will come yeah. out of this uh, that will deter uh for the, from the country moving forward.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So that means you voted for Kanye. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Kanye to- was nowhere on the ballots. That's true. Sure I didn't the-
0: see his name. I was, I mean, I wasn't going to vote for him anyway, but I didn't see his name. His name so not on the ballot, so well, no let's get it started. Let's get it started. So predictions, I'm going to start with you, Derek. What are, or what is your prediction for tomorrow? I've been looking at a lot of the polling there's a 10-point national lead uh, right now for Biden. Uh, you know, polls are deceiving, right? 2016, I think Hillary had a six-point national lead, right, and lost. So I'm not necessarily one uh, for polling results. Uh, but what is your prediction for tomorrow?
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, 2016, like you said, we, we were watching the polling data coming into it, and You know, the reality is the polls were correct in 2016, right? It had Hillary ahead by four points and essentially she won uh, the popular vote by four points, uh, four to five points. And so uh, the polls were right. uh, But as we know, in this country, the electoral college determines uh, the vote. And so I think, you know, uh, the 10 points that we're seeing, you know, this margin right now, I think um, personally, Uh, This is not any scientific rhyme or reason. I just think that um, I think Biden has pulled out with a strong lead here. And I think there are some key swing states that that what Hillary couldn't do four years ago was get certain people off the couch to actually vote. And I think uh, the difference that we're seeing this year, especially with early elections, is that people who were. Uh, indecisive four years ago and decided to stay home are actually making a decision and they're going out to vote this time around and i think that's going to be enough to swing this election uh and i don't think it's going to be as close as uh, i just personally don't think it's going to be as close as people uh, think it will be but i think we will see some surprises with with some of those uh, swing states still.
0: awesome awesome dr Shepard. what is
1: your prediction for tomorrow
2: uh, prediction for tomorrow. Prediction for tomorrow. Predictions that we will see some surprises, uh, some states that normally have voted Republican or have gone to the red, uh, whatever, uh, uh, to, to the Republicans. Uh, they will now become purple or blue. And uh, I really do believe that. I think North Carolina uh, has a very strong shot of, of turning uh, blue. Um, and I think even uh, Florida, uh, I think North Carolina and Florida, uh, that Biden has a wonderful chance of winning. I think Texas and Arizona are probably still a little ways. Uh, yeah. But but but, you know, if if he wins Texas and Biden wins Texas, then it's game over, truthfully. So I believe that Biden would win uh, Florida, North Carolina and Pennsylvania. Uh, I happened to be in Pennsylvania last weekend uh, to speak. And when I tell you every commercial that came on the TV after the show, even Mm -hmm. during football, was about the election. It was amazing. It is it is swamped up there. Um, What I also will predict is that we will have a change in our Senate. Uh, I will. I do believe that the Senate uh, will be uh, Democratic. Control Maybe by just one um, person, uh, Mm -hmm. but it will that the the Democratic will Democratic Party will now own the Senate. I think that we're looking for a change. This feels like 2008. uh, If you all remember that when Barack Obama first won, this feels like 2008 when that blue wave came on through. So those are just some of my predictions.
0: Do you think uh, Jamie Harrison is going to beat Lindsey Graham out there in uh, the great old state of South Carolina? You know, I
2: think he has a good chance. I haven't followed it closely enough to know the ins and outs. I know that both sides have been well-funded, and so um, it remains to be seen. I think Lindsey Graham's time uh, is up. That's my personal opinion because he waffles too
0: much. You just don't know what
2: to do with him. So
0: that makes sense. So I'm going to go this one. Uh, What does a Biden Harris presidency look like? Let's say Biden Harris wins. Um, You know, you know, I make no surprise. I voted for him. Right. And it's not, you know, I just thought better. That was just a better option. Personally love uh, Kamala Harris. You know, I think Biden's a he'll he'll do the job. Right. So let's say they win. Let's say we don't get the shock of 2016. And, you know, there's not an SNL skit to follow. Um, And, you know, uh, you have a new uh presidency. What does that mean for the U.S. going forward? Uh, is there is, is is it paramount? Is it like 08 or is it more of a kind of back to normal, back to, you know, 90s type feel with very little. Uh, what I would say, radical progression. And Derek, we'll start with you.
1: You know, I think this is a defining moment for the Democratic Party, and I think if uh, with the Biden Harris presidency, I think the next four years will be a very um, pivotal point in uh, the party's uh, sort of uh, progression of whether or not it actually moves in this very progressive direction. Uh, while also addressing some of these systematic issues around race, uh, systematic issues around um, how we address social policy in our country. Uh, there, there are a lot of people that don't feel and don't believe and, and without sharing my own bias, who uh, feel that, uh, you know, the federal government should not have this socialist role. Right. We, we are a capitalist society and it should function that way. And at the state level, is where a lot of these uh, social uh, impacts and social decisions should be made uh, and funded and not at the federal level. And mm-hmm. so I think um, there's going to be uh, sort of this, this balance where we see the Democrats go all in for what is a very progressive social agenda. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to see the moving of um, uh, a lot of uh, civil rights, and when I say civil rights, uh, around gender and around sex, uh, sexual orientation, the LGBTQIA community. We're going to see a lot more um, around addressing issues of um, what the family structure looks like. We're going to see, uh, I I think we are going to see the the courts get packed. Uh, I I think the Supreme Court may even see a push uh, with expanding those seats on the Supreme Court. Um, Joe Biden wouldn't go as far as to say he wasn't. Uh, going right. to do it, but he wouldn't go as far as say he would, uh, which leads me to believe that he's strongly thinking about it. Um, and so I think that's yeah. going to happen, and I think that that's going to really drive uh, the direction uh, of, of the party. And then lastly, I, I, I think there's going to have to be a stake in the ground around this whole conversation around the Black contract with America, or this Black agenda, and what it actually looks like, and what uh, problems it's actually going to solve. Because I don't think people, um, you know, like our, our you know, ice cubes and the the uh, Lil, Lil Wayne's of the world who, right. who, who are, have been very, very vocal. I think at this point now there's going to be a fire held to um, Biden and Kamala to say, OK, y'all got it. Now, what you going to do with it? How are you going to address these issues that, you know, we've been very vocal about? We've come with let's see you execute on this plan. And if sure. the Dems drop it this time, I think in four years from now they're going to be held accountable in a very strong way at the polls. So, you think that the Lift Every Voice plan will actually come into some uh, sort of implementation? You know, I think it's the the plan itself is is noble, uh, but I don't think that it, it's comprehensive in addressing uh, sort of a specific needs and specific goals that target the African-American community. I think a lot of it is broad, uh, like things like we're going to expand tax credit programs that that directly benefit black and brown communities. But that doesn't necessarily say we're going to move the economic uh, wealth gap uh, for, for black and brown communities. And so I think while there are programs that are targeted um, mm-hmm. Towards addressing issues in black and brown communities, and those programs as a byproduct uh, sort of move the needle for us. I think there has to be a more demonstrative uh, exercise of saying, how do we uh, move uh, black home ownership? How do we move the needle on uh, uh, wealth enhancement and getting dollars directly into the hands of, of black and brown folks? How do we eliminate debt uh, right. for, for for people of color, um, whether it 's student loan debt? Uh, or debt that they've taken on to start new businesses, access to capital. Like these have to be very, very targeted things that uh, right now, I don't think the Lift Every Voice plan directly addresses, but I think it 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 starts to sort of scratch the surface a little bit of uh, what we can see as an a ever-evolving conversation that needs to happen over the next few years. No, I think you're absolutely right. I think the Lift Every
0: Voice plan, the platinum plan, the contract for Black America um, – are great philosophical truths, right? And probably the Love to Every Voice Plans is a little bit more flushed out, right? Because it had to go through the CBC. But it's still not really addressing the iceberg. But let's take it up there. Dr. Trevor, what if Trump wins? Let's say 2016 happens all over again. Let's say Florida goes. My prediction is that Florida actually will go to Trump. Let's say Texas doesn't break and go purple. It actually stays red uh, let's say Jamie loses South Carolina right now, the neck and neck, let's say Lindsay pulls it out even by a very narrow margin. I do have Biden winning Wisconsin and Michigan, uh, which is different, but I don't necessarily have him winning Pennsylvania. Let's say he gets a magical two seventy electoral votes or goes down to a Supreme court decision, which we know right now the court is in favor of him, right? With the new appointment. What does that mean going forward?
2: What does that mean going forward? I mean, you gave too many hypotheticals there, uh Cody. Well,
0: what does it what does it mean? What does it mean? Let's let's start politically, let's start politically <laughs> and then
2: let's flush it out. Let's what does I it mean, yeah. mean politically going forward? Yeah, I mean, politically going forward, if Trump wins, that just means that we have uh reasserted that that his agenda is okay. That's what that means. When you when you are uh up for reelection or for a promotion or whatever it is when your term is up and you get voted back in that means that people are okay with the track that you are on the problem is is that people are not okay with the track that trump is on um and so i, I need to answer even some of the questions that uh, the question that you just asked earlier of Derek, and i'm, I'm glad he uh, dealt with that perspective because i don't have to deal with that perspective But let me tell you what is the biggest thing that is going to be on the uh, on the the platter for both the Democrats and the Republicans is going to be health care. The reason why Trump is losing is not because of economic is not because of the racial injustices. It is because he got covid-19 period. I stand by that. If he had not right. gotten the coronavirus, we would we would probably see the polls be even tighter and maybe even uh, uh, shifted. When he got the coronavirus and he was cavalier, and those people who we've had 220 plus thousand was, people die. We're, right. we're approaching 230,000. Everyone in this country knows someone who's been affected by this virus. And when right. our leader was cavalier, the people said, no, we can't take that anymore. So healthcare is going to be on the planet for both of the parties, and we're going to have to see how we're going to take care of this. We can't get into the racial injustices. We can't even get into some other things until we know as a people that we're going to be okay coming out of this pandemic, because it is not a guarantee. Now, as a faith believer, I know that things will be okay, but I don't know how long things are going to stay in which they are. Dr. Anthony Fauci, if we listen to what this man is saying, we are in for a lot of hurt. He knows what he's talking about. There is no no discrepancy amongst the scientists regarding what is happening here. So I, I, I like the things that we are going to be projecting to happen, but the number one thing that we must deal with, whether it is Trump, whether it is Biden who wins, is what are we going to do about the health of the people in this country. And if he continues, Trump continues to do what he's doing, the health of the people are
0: in jeopardy. And- How do you address that? You talked about the health. So, so are you, and and I do, I would say 70, 30 agree. I think it's a split. I think health and econ are probably hand in hand and one is affecting the other. When it comes to addressing health challenges, Mm -hmm. right um that's that's hard because it's so layered but specifically covid right and how its impact Mm -hmm. on the world has been where do we start is it just shut everything down i mean you're you're in the medical field uh you are a doctor uh not Mm -hmm. a pretend doctor on one of these shows you're a real md you're a real doctor hence the screen name right there right (laughs) <laughs> what what do you what do you tell what do you All recommend right, yes, yes. what what is the plan going forward do you say shut it down and you know until we come out with a vaccination that has gone through proper trial testing don't move what is the plan going no, forward
2: no no the, no the 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 thing is not to shut it down until a vaccine because you could be shut down for years uh so so no that's not the plan and and you don't hear the scientists saying shut down so, so that's not the plan to shut down. The plan is to have a comprehensive plan that spells out what we need to do to protect ourselves until a vaccination is available. That's the problem, you know? There is not something that people can have a roadmap to follow. Everybody wants to blame this one, blame this one. If Whoever gets in, you know, whether it be Trump, you know, he can still turn around, you know? Uh, Biden gets in, uh, you know. I pray that there is, that there is a comprehensive plan. And I see a bunch of the comments says people need to wear a mask. Right, mask saves lives. Yeah, there's no right. debate about this. Yeah, and yeah. then when we have certain gatherings, we need to be able to follow the protocols and guidelines. I've been to enough things outside of my house now. I've been to my job now to know how to be able to care for people carefully and not get the virus or not get sick. Right. Well, we've been going through this long enough to know how to behave ourselves. The reason why we're not behaving by ourselves is because we have leaders in control who don't know how to behave
0: themselves and people are modeling what they see. Do you think a national mask mandate is the appropriate response? Yes. And how would you, I mean, would you, anyone caught without a mask would be penalized or... That would be up to the states to determine. But yes,
2: I mean, there's not, I mean, there's not really, I I don't need to give a a, a response or elaborate response to that. Yes. You need to wear a mask. Yes. Do you need to wash your hands? Yes. Do you need to wear, watch your distance? Yes. These are things that have been proven over and over again to work.
0: No, I agree. I I personally wear a mask. I've always been an advocate for it since Fauci has made his recommendation because I, you know, I believe in science. You know, I think a, a face mask is just as um, <laughs> probably going to show. Just you know, I call it the condom for the face, right? Like you need to wear one if you're going to be socially active, right? So, I this is just me. This is my wild sense of humor. Uh, but <laughs> speaking of that, speaking of that, speaking, hey, this is what it is. What it is. This is what it, is what it is. You can say whatever you want on this show. you know. So when we talk about, um, Translating it now. So, you know, live in Chicago, right? You guys are uh, native Chicagoans, So our um, uh, uh, COVID guidelines, new restriction ordinances went into practice last weekend, right? Restaurants are basically shut down. Um, You know, church now has to abide by an even more uh, restrictive uh, guideline going forward as far as having people you know in inside the service and whatnot and it's just like it's a it's a domino effect. I totally agree with it I totally support it. I also feel like it's a bit disingenuous and what I mean by that, if you don't have an economic plan that supports this mandate, what are you really saying? are you telling people to stay home and and to starve? you know like I always feel like it's, I, I think people don't have a problem obeying, right? I think it's just you also have to provide economic salvation. You can't just have one or the other, and they go hand in hand. So, Derek, right? You this is your area. You know, um, the lack or the the uh, economic impact has been catastrophic. What would you like to see from the federal government, despite whoever gets in going forward?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, that's that's a great point, because if, if we're going to ask people to uh, sort of temper down and we're going to ask people to change their behaviors, we also have to make people whole or at to some extent provide some relief to people who are who are experiencing challenges. And, you know, I think about restaurateurs. Right? Uh, one, one of our tenants is a restaurant that you typically would have 90 or, or 90 or so seats in the restaurant. And now he can only serve, you know, up to about 30 people in his restaurant. He's at about a third of his capacity. He's expanded his outdoor space uh, to try to, you know, we're in Michigan. So he's trying to increase his you know, season to allow for, for outdoor dining. Uh, but had we not given him you know, several months of free rent, he would have had to terminate 14 employees. Right. And wow. he's not eligible for PPPs. and He's not eligible for some other things because a lot of his employees, uh, because of the way he has to pay for them. Uh, in many places where we see small businesses, uh, in places like Chicago and Detroit, we have an informal economy. And so uh, with these informal economies, there are a lot of people who are apprehensive about participating in federal programs. There are A lot of people who are uh, apprehensive about giving out their personal, inf- their their business information to, to apply for certain types of um, uh, funding and support. And so I think uh, there's going to have to be a combination of resources. One, that directly impacts small businesses, uh, They gets money directly into their pockets. And we're not talking about loans, right? We can't do more and more loans because people are already at their debt limits. Uh, people are already uh, tapped uh, on uh, sort of their credit profiles. And so we're talking about immediate relief that allows people to continue to uh, make m- regular monthly payments, but then also relieving some uh, burden on Uh, the individuals uh, with uh, federal mortgage programs, for instance, right? Uh, We gave the banks, I mean, this is crazy. We gave the banks a huge break uh, in this last relief package and then left it up to the banks to say, uh, maybe we'll pass that relief on to the average mortgage holder, right? Which is crazy. Uh, My father had COVID for for, for several weeks and was just kind of out and down. And so couldn't work, couldn't couldn't do some things. And so we're calling his bank uh, who has a program that they use at their discretion to determine whether or not they're going to allow him 30 days or whether or not they're going to allow him 90 days or 120 days for forbearance. No, let's make it clear. The federal government needs to hand out a mandate that says that any bank that takes a relief at, on, a, on a federal mortgage or federal loan program needs to pass six months or 12 months worth of relief on to to the borrower and so i think without those those level of mandates um, mm-hmm. that come sp- directly from the treasury and directly directly from um uh, these stimulus packages that come down i think we're going to see people hurt and if people are hurting they're going to go out and make decisions based on their need they're going to they're going to leave their homes they're going to go do what's best for their family and the 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 public health aspect of that may take second place to the fact that i need to put food on the table I've got medication to buy. Um, I've got a senior that I'm taking care of. I've got kids that I'm taking care of. And and so we know that people are going to make their own decisions. Right. And, and using your example, Cody, some people don't strap up and use protection. So not, not everybody's going to put on a mask. God, right? baby uh, mama's they're going to make that decision. And so I think we've got to make it easier for people uh, to make the decision to do the right thing. That's true. Could you
2: yeah. Let me just let me, let me just say this, Cody, and I, I agree with everything Derek said. The government has the capability right. to bail right. us period. out, period. I've, I've seen other countries do it. So I hear what you're saying, but it's not it's not right. rocket scientists. No, just, it, just, it, it baffles me. Why are we sitting having these discussions when the federal government can do it? They do it for other people. And it's not a partisan so, issue.
1: This isn't a partisan yeah. thing. This is a this is a, American people are hurting. This is right. not Democrat, Republic, Republican. You just need to get it done. And, and the right. fact that we can push through a Supreme Court justice in less than 30 days but yeah. not have a conversation about a stimulus package lets us know where we sit in the minds of those decision makers. And I think that has to change if we're gonna curb this this That's virus, it. that economic policy is going to have to change because people are going to suffer and they will make decisions that are in the best interest of their own families and not, not in the best interest of the collective whole. Absolutely. No, well said. I think both of you are dead on, uh, especially because our money's not backed by
0: anything. We've been off the gold standard for years It's literally printed currency. Just print more, you know, like, and I know you would make Steve Mnuchin and a lot of other, you know, economists really mad by saying just print more, but literally just press print, you know? So um, I, I totally agree. Let's take it to, how it impacts. So Dr. Shepard, you know, there's this talk that if Biden gets in, you know, socialized medicine, first of all, uh, newsflash, I'm, I, you know, obviously I believe in capitalism. I'm an American. I, you know, I participate in the, uh, economic opportunities that have been afforded to me. Uh, and to some degree I'm a capitalist yet. I do believe in more of a, um, um, uh, I won't say control, but definitely a imbalanced, Market, right? Like, there shouldn't be these extreme, just outliers, right? Like, trillion dollar companies scare me with no taxation, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, I I just think that there needs to be responsibility across the board. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to socialized medicine, that's the terminology that is thrown around. And you being in uh, the medical field, what does that mean? You know, clear, clear, bring clarity, right? Because people think that socialized medicine is a bad thing. Just people might think that that means. The government is saying, I, I can't go see Dr. Shepard. I got to go see Dr. Phil. I don't like Dr. Phil, right? So like, what does that mean? How can the government help? The two-part question, the second part, how can the government help restructure or reimagine these services so that U.S. citizens can benefit in the most advantageous way? Well, to answer
2: the question simply, socialized medicine means different things to different people so i don't know to which person i'm speaking to but <laughs> to Bernie sanders it be something different to joe biden to me something so people like to throw a, a, around this term socialized medicine or as socialism people really need to go back to their uh to their history books and read up on what socialism is uh and so socialized medicine i think what people are referring to is where we have Uh, health care for all, uh, and that it is a uh, a equal payer system. So Mm -hmm. right now in America, in the capitalist system, you know, we have different insurance companies who profit from people's illness. Okay. Mm. Uh, People profit, these companies profit from how sick you are. Mm. And they really profit off of those who are elderly and who have chronic illnesses, because those are the persons who go to utilize the services the more, so they're signing up these persons. Uh, and again, I was talking with somebody here in Maryland just about this recently. And so we have to understand that the way which our system right now is set up uh, is set up for these big profits uh, to to uh, to be made off of the misfortune of other people. Yeah, and socialized medicine. These profits um, should not be as big. They may be there, but what it is is, is creating a healthcare system uh, where uh, their uh, uh, people cannot profit as much from a person's physical or mental illness. And I and I say mental illness because when you look at uh, our system right now, until Obamacare, mental illness was really um, not even covered by most uh, insurance programs, if you didn't know that or not. Oh. Uh, and still, even to this day, um, it is the state programs, the state Medicaid programs that actually provide the best mental health care. Wow. You need to go check your plan. And in addition to that, uh, you would uh, for those who have mental health issues, you could only get a certain number of sessions. So if you're depressed, you can only get 15 sessions in a whole year. You telling me I got to get healed in fifteen sessions, right? So, you know it. So when you talk about socialized medicine, uh, we were uh, uh, looking at uh, healthcare plans that would provide certain benefits so that people are not taxed. And again, I'm just keeping it very simple as much as possible, layman's terms, um, where people can receive the hopefully the same type of healthcare. Because the problem also now with our system is that there's different levels of care. And because if you don't have a job in this country, many people can't have health care benefits, which is why we're seeing so many people go into our emergency rooms and filling up those areas, using up all those resources. So really our system is broken because now when you go to the hospital for routine uh, preventative care, you have now utilized so many dollars that hospitals are now literally trying to cut off how many people can go into the emergency rooms. That's why all these urgent care centers are popping up, you all, uh, mm-hmm. because they're trying to cut the number of people going into emergency rooms. It's kind of working, but it's really not working, truthfully. So I get—I'm giving a long answer because sure. I'm just kind of breaking down some things that, uh, 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 as you as you want to kind of compare, compare and contrast yep. what we have now as to what people are hoping that we can move towards. I'll say this one last thing prescription drugs, you got to know that under our system right now, it makes no sense mm-hmm. why a diabetic medication, why a- asthma medication Yeah, in three, sometimes 10 times more in this country than in another country. And it works the same way. Something yeah. is wrong with that picture, you all. And so yeah. in socialized medicine, uh, hopefully what they would tend to, and I, and I use that word I use that word loosely, that what they're looking toward is lowering prescription costs so that it is an equal playing field uh, across the board. So those are just some of the tenets of what you would see in that type of move.
0: No, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. No, I totally agree. Um, you know, as one who. Uh, deals with type one diabetes, right? You know, like even the amount of information, you know, like I have my Dexcom, you know, so I don't have to prick my fingers. Stuff just sends my phone. I know where I am at all times. If I go too high, it tells me too high, too low. It's kind of weird. I feel like RoboCop, you know, but at the same time, there are people in other neighborhoods that don't even know this technology exists. You know what I'm saying? And dealing with either a form of diabetes or the same form and yet my health is treated differently because of my circumstance. And I think that's where I have problems with that. Right. Like I think that everybody should receive help. It shouldn't matter, you know, because I have this job or whatever, you know, I can have access to something that would prolong my life at least more efficiently. Right. And, and be made aware of it sooner. Um, where, where, are we um going? Uh Dr. Shepard, we'll start with you and then uh Derek. And you can address this from a medical standpoint. Uh is there is there like is there like a a, a, a you, you talked about, you know, the, the pharmaceutical companies and how it's really based and set up for profiteering. And and I know this this medicine is expensive, um, you know, it, it's crazy, and you know if you invest in like johnson and johnson they they do give they dividend payouts you know so like you know it's just crazy how much money is just wrapped up into other people's illnesses um where where does it collide like where where are we going are we are we coming to a point where it's like you know that we have a a a lobbyist or a pack group for doctors that are fighting against things like this so that we can make sure that we're able to attend to our patients what what is that dialogue that we don't hear or see well, actually, you're starting to hear the dialogue.
2: The coronavirus has brought the dialogue out. Okay. And that, the, again, the coronavirus has done so much this year. Uh, it's brought out, uh, it, like I say, it's ripped the Band-Aid off of so many of the ills of this country. The ills were already present. Uh, but this coronavirus has just stirred up so many different ills. Sure. So for the doctors, um, you know, it it is... It's a hard way for us to go. I'll be honest with you. Doctors are hurting right now. This coronavirus has affected my pocket and others' pocket. Regardless of what uh, Donald Trump says, he don't know what he's talking about. Uh, we have not profited off of the <laughs> coronavirus. Uh, Lord Jesus. Something must come up. Uh, yeah, you can cuss here. You can see, no, 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 I'm just joking. You're the host of It Is What It Is. <laughs> <laughs> I have a reputation outside of It Is What It Is. <laughs>
0: hey, you know they. You know you what I want a whole crew. Come on, Derek. I gotta hold on. To that. <laughs> hold on, brother. Hold on. I'm gonna just, yeah. just nudge you. I'm just nudging. I felt those words. I felt four letters. I just wanted to see where you was going with
2: it. <laughs> no, 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 I was just gonna say the devil is a liar. This man, this man, <laughs> get up here talking about doctors are profiting. Right. I can believe that every doctor should have been offended. now By what this man said over the weekend. Uh, doctors are hurting. Hospitals are hurting. And so for us, it is a strain right now because there's so many doctors who have lost money. They've lost their practices. They've lost their ability to even work in some areas because of the coronavirus. Uh, They've had to shut down their practices. I know where people who worked in hospitals where two doctors moved out, two cardiologists moved out of a city in Pennsylvania where I was just last week. And now there's only one cardiologist because they didn't have enough money uh, to keep those two doctors there because all the elective procedures got cut. So now what are people supposed to do? So how am I answering your question? Uh, As a physician, it is a hard way to go. It is a struggle, um, you know, because we want to be able to make our livelihood. We want to be able to make a living. This is the this is the passion. This is the practice that. Uh, that i have uh that god has given to me right but i don't want to profit and most doctors do not want to profit off of people's illness so there's a way and you know hopefully i'm i'm am demonstrating no, this uh, as 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 clearly as i can because there's yeah. a pull it's a tug of war for us yeah uh, it's not it's, we don't go around thinking the worst of people mm. uh, for, for that to be said about a doctor is truthfully uh, just disparaging,
0: disrespectful. I love it, love it. Derek, where are we going? Um, you know, there's, um, you know, let's talk about economically than socially, right? Um, right now, Wall Street, you know, you have unofficial reports that saying, you know, they're becoming more in love with the Biden administration or Biden presidency. At the same time, they haven't disavowed what a Trump presidency would look like uh, for economic outlook. Uh, and from all this, it's created a lot of tension. Uh, rumors of increased gun sales. Uh, you see the, uh, I guess they were heading to Texas, right? And and a Biden tour bus uh, was surrounded by, you know, a lot of Trump supporters and it almost created this kind of crash and it was this real kind of toxic uh, scenario. Uh, what is happening, right? Like where, where is this thing shifted? Is it just, is it pregame jitters, you know, or is this really alluding to something down the road? Like it doesn't end tomorrow. Like whatever tomorrow's result happens, the economic fallout will be what, what does that look like, Derek?
1: Yeah. Well, I think, you know, four years ago really showed us something. And I think everybody was saying, you know, there was a lot of rhetoric around we are, we're in a post-racial society and uh, we, we've overcome sort of these civil unrest issues and these demons of our past as a country. And I remember posting four years ago, I said, if, if that's so true, then why uh, is uh, Donald Trump Uh, more than just a comical interruption in our political agenda, why is he now all of a sudden uh, someone who's leading in the polls and someone who is being taken as a serious candidate with all of the hate rhetoric and all of the, 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 the racist language that was coming out of his mouth at the time before becoming the president? And I think the reason is because there were so many undercover people that felt uncomfortable doing that, uh, during, uh, while we were all holding hands and singing kumbaya around the campfire with, with president Obama, that it was just uncomfortable as a country. If you were a bigot to come out and say, Hey, I'm a bigot. (laughs) But then Donald Trump came along and made it okay. He made it okay for you to use a certain type of rhetoric and not only use the rhetoric, but now see that there's not going to be recourse as we saw in, uh, Virginia, Uh, When when the riot broke out there and he praised uh, the the white supremacists as simply being, um, you know, good people who were exercising there, you know, there were good people on both sides. Right. And so I think when you start to see this, um, you know, this discourse play out over the last four years, there's a legitimate group of people who think uh, that somehow God's righteousness is being executed uh, through this man. Uh, um, with with this hateful speech and language that we're seeing. And so I think uh, what a lot of people are concerned about now is even with tomorrow, uh, tomorrow's election with the results that people are preparing for the worst. They're preparing for civil unrest. They're preparing that if Biden wins, that now all of a sudden we need to become the righteousness of God and go out and execute that judgment. That's why we can follow a a, a campaign bus down the highway in Texas, uh, because we're, we're doing the Lord's work somehow. And I think, you know, if we're not careful, uh, we're gonna get into a us versus them. Yeah. And 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 you know, I think the the language that we're seeing even on, on both sides is uh like we ready. Um it ain't just uh white NRA or a Republican gun, you know, NRA car carrying folks that are going out buying guns, it's folks in the hood going out and buying guns. Everybody's going out and buying guns. Right. Uh everybody's going out and stocking up on groceries. And so I think, um you know we have to be careful that after this election, we still got to live together peaceably, right? right, and um you know, forgive me for for still being a preacher, uh you know a hundred percent of the time, not not all uh, not sometime, but all all the time I'm still right right, I still believe what that book says, and it says we've got to live peaceably with all men, yeah. and we've got to learn how to do that, and so right. regardless of whether Trump's in office or regardless of whether Biden's in office, we've got to figure out how to put. These differences aside, and this language aside that we continue to throw and and hurl across um, social media at each other, I've never um, seen—let's forget black and white—I've never seen so many black folks and so many Christian folk um, attacking each other on social media because they have a difference of uh, political opinion. Yeah, and 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 I think if we're not careful, we're, we're it's satanic, it's demonic, and what we don't see is that. Uh, This conflict is an internal conflict that if we don't reconcile it um, with ourselves, forget what the world's going to look like in five or 10 years from now. We're going to tear it all apart. We're going to be in the 60s again, burning our cities down. If if we don't come together and figure out how to move forward as a nation and as a country of people who want to see the best for our children, for our communities, for our families uh, and for those around us, regardless of what they look like. And so. I'll leave leave this last little piece here. Um, When we talk about sort of the markets and the 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 economy, the economics of it, um, I I think uh, I had a lot of friends exchanging messages in the chat that I'm in, all investors and folks like, well, do I sell before the third? Uh, You know, are we going to see the market (laughs) crash on the third? Like, if uh, if Biden gets in, is everything going to flop? And Uh, if you weren't paying attention, the last week was actually rough on the markets. It it already, the markets have already started to, to, to make a move. And so I think there, there's people that are going to benefit regardless. There are people who know how to play the game. There are people that are controlling the markets. And, and at the end of the day, it doesn't come down to whether it's a Biden or a Trump. It comes down to these decisions that our legislators are going to make in the house and the Senate to provide economic relief, and benefit mm-hmm. to people, uh, to Wall Street, uh, mm-hmm. to big businesses. Our airlines still uh, have a huge issue to address. Our uh, The the hotel and hospitality industry have a huge issue to, to address. And the one that we won't talk about are our farmers and agriculture. Agriculturally, we got to help uh, do something about uh, our farmers because they're struggling right now to get uh, uh, product to market. And so USDA stepping in, you know, buying senior, uh, senior lunches or meals, and we're handing out meals and things like that. Sure, And that's one way to provide some economic, uh, relief for, for farmers. But, you know, if we're not careful, we're going to see a food shortage here, uh, Mm -hmm. because we're not taking it seriously and we're not addressing the, 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 the big issues. I love it. Let's, um, I want to introduce my my guest, John John. Thank you, Bishop Robinson, so much uh,
0: for joining us. I appreciate you. Uh, I'm a, just a small town uh, light skinned Kojic preacher, so anytime anybody <laughs> wants to come on this platform, you're more than you're more than welcome. I I want to start with you, Bishop Robinson, and you have the floor. Um, and then um, Dr. Shepard, then Derek. This probably be the last question. You know, Derek really hit on the internal tor- uh, turmoil that's happening. In the body of Christ, right? I joke. I say things. I'm wild. I got a wild sense of humor. If you know my dad, he had the same sense of humor. That's just me. Don't mean anything by it. I just like to laugh. I don't always like to be deep because if you grew up like I grew up with, you know, everybody else was playing baseball. I was visiting, you know, the, the, the sick and the shut in and watching older people die and it just messed me up. So I like to laugh to deal with pain. That's just me. But I've never seen the church so like this. There's always been differences. We've always had differences, you know, but now it's just, we're not even communicating. It's just like, you know, my side versus your side. So Mr. Robinson, so coming into tomorrow, we have, we've always had the evangelical church. We've always had the black church, but now it's like, we have fractions within that, right? Like there's, there's subgroups even within those broad categories. What should be the church's response for tomorrow um i've seen and and i know that's kind of a loaded question because you can go anywhere with it but i've seen pastors call for prayer for peace right are we at that point that the church now has to ask god for peace that there won't be a peaceful transition of power and bishop robson the floor is yours
3: oh boy <laughs> uh, um g- uh, good evening uh everyone uh, um thank you for um uh, Uh, thank you for uh, having me on the show. I don't know if I'm thanking you for this question. Um, um, uh, The position of the church uh, uh, should actually, uh, and I say that with some, you know, limited perspective, but uh, certainly it is appropriate to pray. Um, uh, Certainly it is within the universal context of the theologies of cross denominations that we should always pray and not think. Um, we should pray for um, for uh, peace in terms of, now I define peace uh, in the words of the liberation theologian, Paulo Freire, who said that peace is not defined as the absence of conflict. Uh, and that's important to remember. Uh, but uh, uh, Freire was trying to say that it is the ability to disagree with civility, um, that it, that disagreement does not devolve into anarchy and um, 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 gross exp- um, exploits of violence because I didn't get my way. Mm. Uh, that's another thing. So we all have to work the process, which means the vote. That means we do all have a voice. The guarantee of a voice does not, is not synonymous with the guarantee of our way. Uh, and somehow in our culture of entitlement, we've conflated the two um, and even created justification for that. Um, But so it is with prayer. We have the right to ask for whatever we want to come boldly before the throne. But the purpose of prayer is not really to manipulate God to do our will as much as it is to discern, trust and obey the will of God. Even if that will is to have uh, it won't be the first time. um, um, There's a whole list of rulers of questionable character in Israel's history. <laughs> so that's the mystery of it all. So yes, we should pray, but with all of those things in mind, I would say.
0: Hmm. Hmm. So that means you voted for Kanye, right? Is that what I'm hearing or? <laughs> <laughs> <No, no, laughs> no, no. I <I'm> have a different <laughs> personal opinion. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Do- Dr. Shepard, and then I'll give everybody their, their one minute question. Uh One minute, um, what is your message uh and we'll make it specific right what is your message to uh the medical field let's say you were invited tomorrow to speak uh to all the medical doctors in the u.s and you had to tell them something that was correlating to this election what would that be
2: oh that that message would be simple uh that message would simply state first of all you are needed you're needed, you're important, and you are valued. Uh, that would be the themes that I would resonate throughout all of my speaking to them. Uh, you're needed, you're valued, and you're appreciated. And we have the intellect, God has afforded us the intellect to deal with the problems that we're facing. Um, and then at the end of it, I would encourage them because so many doctors have spent so many hours, you know, I'm working at a rate at which I have not worked at since I was in residency and I wasn't getting paid in residency. Uh, And even now, you know, my salary had been cut, but thank God he continues to, you know, provide uh, for me uh, and be able to restore me back to where I was. Uh, But again, I say that with all humility because with all that, it wasn't about the money. Uh, it is about our ability to serve mankind, and that is what I would uh, encourage them to remember why we are here, the purpose for what we were created to do,
0: and that is to serve mankind. I love it, Derek. Same question: If you were invited to all the investors, and you know you have the economic floor. And, you know, everybody's wondering, should I sell? Should I, you know, hold on? Me personally, I'm going to just be honest and I want to get in trouble with the SEC. I'm not about to dump any of my stocks. Just wait till it gets low enough and then I'll buy some more. So what would you tell them? Good Reverend Derek?
1: Well, well, first of all, um, I think it's important to note that I, I don't operate. And I, I think this this may sound very cliche, so sure. forgive me. But I really don't operate on the world's monetary system, right, because I don't place my faith in uh, this very uncertain time and these uncyclical things. And I think a lot of people um, who do that find themselves um, depressed and they find themselves uh, their mood moves with the economic cycles. Mm -hmm. And so what I would encourage people is um, to, one, think long term and, and our future is bright. I believe that. I believe that the best is ahead of us uh, because if the best was behind us, we're in trouble. Mm. Uh, I believe that things are the outlook is going to look uh, bright in the long run. And I think we have to continue to stay the course. And what I mean by stay the course is um, we know where uh, critical investments are needed. We know where um, our money is best put to work. And now is not the time to be frivolous. Uh, I've been telling all of the people in my circle, if you don't need it right now, don't buy it. Um, don't don't pay for it. I, I do believe there is a economic drought coming, a famine that that's that's going to hit the land. Uh, I don't believe that God's people will be affected if, if they exercise biblical principle of, of knowing when to sow and when to reap. Uh, but, um, one of my favorite scriptures in Proverbs says, consider the ant who is wise and knows when to store. Uh, and so when, when times were plenty, you should have been storing. If times are still plenty for you right now, keep storing, Mm -hmm. um, because there's going to come a day, uh, where, uh, cash will, it's already King, but cash will be the, the, the economy of the hour. And those who are not prepared are going to miss opportunities. All right there, um, you're going to see real estate prices drop, yeah, and um, you're going to see uh, what will become uh, a buyer's market. And if you don't have the cash to buy, uh, banks ain't gonna lend you money. You need to be ready to move uh, and, and have uh, cash on hand. But if you bought that dooney and Burke, or you've been, you know, going on them vacation, these uh, quarantine vacations to Mexico and Cancun, because you just need to get away, right. uh, that's that's money that you uh, could afford. Uh, to store up because I promise you uh, a year or two from now, there's going to be some opportunities that you don't want to miss uh, because you didn't properly plan for them.
0: No, you're absolutely right. You could open up a dispensary with all the stuff you spent on going to Mexico. <laughs> so Mr. <laughs> Mr. Robinson, uh, you have the floor. If you had to tell.
2: <laughs>
1: I will that's say, cool. though, if oh, I man. had invested in something a few years ago, Lord hey. have mercy, the way that hey. thing jumped.
0: I'll cut off line. But anyway, so, Mr. Robinson, you had to tell, you had to stand before, you know, the body of Christ, and that'd be a whole lot of people, and they're coming up, and obviously, you can't endorse anybody, but if you had to give them some words to go forward on in a minute, what would you tell them?
3: Uh, wow. Uh, I, um, I would tell them to um, exercise our uh, fullest opportunities that are available to us as citizens. You got to get involved in the moment. You got to see that uh, in the voting. It is your voice. You got to at least do that. Don't let apathy kick in. Uh, and again, I would equate it with prayer that we can we can express what we want. And then we have to trust that... Um, That uh, after we've done that, not just to sound churchy, but it's the wisdom of the scriptures, having done all to stand, meaning do all of the parts that we have been given the common grace to do. And then trust uh, uh, that God has a plan and that uh, somehow it's going to work out for good. But we have to do our part. Uh, And that, that would be the one minute elevator pitch.
0: Yes. I love it. I love it. All right, guys. Well, I appreciate it. I'm super excited. Uh, I have some amazing episodes. Right now, I have to put things until tomorrow. When tomorrow's results come in, I don't know. But for sure, next week, we're doing the Surviving the Holidays couple edition. And we also got some things along fitness. But I'm really excited about tomorrow because my hope and prayer is that We just move forward as a country. That's my hope and prayer. I didn't have anything deep on that. But Bishop Robinson, where can they connect with you? What are you doing? Where can the people connect with you?
3: Uh, I'm at uh, Bishop G. Robinson on Instagram, uh, uh, Bishop CGR on Twitter, uh, uh, and uh, CGR Ministries on uh, Facebook. Um, Love to stay connected.
0: Awesome. Right,
3: Reverend Derek Scott,
0: where can they connect with you?
1: I'm um, Derek Scott on Facebook and Hope Pusher24 on Instagram.
0: Awesome. The
1: right, good Reverend Dr. Jonathan Shepherd, also running for the general
0: board. Where do you where can they connect with you?
1: <laughs> Not the general board. It's it's the general people. board of certified medical professionals. Right. right.
0: You can be the bishop yeah. of medicine.
2: Ah uh, you know what? That I'd say. Hey. You know, Bishop Robinson is the Bishop of Medicine over at uh well Mental <laughs> <laughs> Wellness. <All right. laughs> Yeah, he got a new appointment, y'all. Since the last time we got together. hey he coming up, ah, I'm not, I'm report
0: increase with that yeah, right bishop,
2: yeah, bishop, bishop, bishop. Yeah. Now look, I am running for trustee board in Koji. So that oh, hey. so that is that that is the truth. So a- amen. I'll leave who, that alone. <laughs> who
0: trustee right now? I think I know.
2: Who is the trustee, right, the trustee now? right now? Who's like who's in the office? There's 15 of them.
1: Oh my gosh,
3: that's
1: is- <laughs> not just it's one,
3: it's 15 of them. We, we gotta
1: get clearly, gotta get Cody to General Assembly, right? Yeah, yeah, I, mean, I, 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 I don't be paying attention to that. But we
2: can reach out to me, uh, Jonathan the Shepherd. You can uh, hit me up on Facebook, uh, Dr. J Shep, uh, as far as uh, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, You can check me out on YouTube, and I must mention—I must mention Spirit and Mind, which is on Saturdays, which these two brothers have been on, and so we have had a wonderful relationship that continues to uh, draw us closer together. But myself and Bishop are co-hosts of that, and it sounds like we're going to have Cody and Derek back on very, very very—we got to, we got to, (laughs) very, very soon because these discussions are wonderful, and so that's Saturdays
0: at twelve noon Eastern Standard Time. I must promote that. Awesome. Awesome. I love it. Look, connect with these guys. These guys are really doing great things, not just in the body of faith, but in the world. I mean, we're talking about from academic uh, studies with Bishop Robinson. We're talking about in the medical field. Doctor We're talking about in the, the economic field. Derek is somebody. And if I ever need any money, he's going to be the first person I call because I know Derek is good for it. I appreciate you guys so much. So next time. Thanks. All right. See ya. <laughs> <laughs>